Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for Marvel Studios' Echo. You and I are the same. So, who's the monster? Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast. My name is Nate, and this is our spoiler-free review for Marvel Studios Echo. Special thanks, as always, to our friends at Disney Studios Canada and Marvel Canada for letting us watch these episodes early for review. If you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, video games, and all things geek-centric. Joining me for today's review... We have two guys that I know would swoop in on motorcycles to protect me from Kingpin's army. We have my friends, Justin and Darcy. Happy New Year. How's it going? Happy New Happy Year. New Year. Happy, New go- Year. Happy New Year. It's going good. It's going good. Off to a good start, I think. Yeah. Especially yeah. with this show, right? Oh, yeah. Would you ride in on motorcycles to protect me? Have you either of uh, you ridden a motorcycle before? No, no. No, there's a death trap waiting to happen. I don't <laughs> understand how people go around riding them, and especially going through <laughs> Europe and they're weaving through the cars on the highway. Not for me. No, thank you, sir. No. Yeah, yeah. I think we've actually talked about this last year about like riding on dangerous vehicles. And I think. Yeah, it was one of your questions about, I think, uh, in regards to Loki and riding a jet ski. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Riding a jet ski. Okay, okay. (laughs) I was like, God, no. I've been on it once. (laughs) You've been on a. Wait, so have you been on a motorcycle? I think Darcy. No, I've not been on a motorcycle. But I think when I told the story, it was with Kevin. But I think Darcy was actually there, but he was much younger. It was at uh, Deerhurst. Oh yeah, it was like uh, a company, family, one company of my family's retreat. work yeah. retreats. Yeah, <laughs> and you were along for the ride, and I remember that I was. Yeah, I think I was probably like six or seven years old at the time. Yeah, so that was a wild damn. Yeah. Date ourselves more, Darcy. God, we're <laughs> generations. So I, uh, I, for me, the only thing I've done on a motorcycle, I was on once uh, with one of my friends, uh, their dad. And I think he almost passed out with how hard I was squeezing him, holding, <laughs> holding on. This is when I was a little younger. Um, but no, if I ever get on a, a any vehicle, three wheels or more, I think is my limit. I think I go three wheels or more. Um, sure. But with, that, limit. <laughs> with limit. that said, let's get to the synopsis for this series. Uh, Marvel Studios presents Echo spotlighting Maya Lopez as she is pursued by Wilson Fisk's criminal empire. Uh, when the journey brings her home, she must confront her own family legacy. Echo stars Alakwa Cox as Maya Lopez, as well as Chaske Spencer, Tantu Cardinal, Devery Jacobs, Zon McLarnon, Cody Lightning, Graham Greene, and Vincent D'Onofrio, who returns as the villainous Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. King Pin. Episodes of the series are directed by Sidney Freeland uh, and Catriona McKenzie, and all five episodes of Marvel Studios' Echo launch on Disney Plus and Hulu January 9th, uh, which if you're listening to this right as we've uploaded it, uh, will be this evening. Um, so you can definitely check those out uh, and uh, and listen to this first and then and then go watch and just get hyped uh, for this series. Now, again, this will be spoiler free. Uh, we haven't actually seen all five episodes. We've only seen the first three episodes of the series. Um, so let's get into like what we thought uh, about those three episodes. Uh, I think we should we should start off by 
um, doing what I think, you know, Sydney, uh, we had the other opportunity to also interview Sydney uh, and uh, doing what, what she mentioned as well, which is thanking the, the Choctaw people for sharing their stories, uh, their history, uh, and for working so closely with the entire production team to give us something that in, and this is something that I love in shows, is something that entertains me but also teaches me and, and also like gets me so interested uh, in the source material. And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing that I think we will all be taking away from this is that just how authentic the, the show feels, how every moment uh, and, and it's mostly just because the people that are making it um, are the people that, uh, that, that live and are steeped in that culture. And so you can, I think that's the biggest thing that I, I sensed immediately was that, that level of authenticity uh, and the sincerity within the show. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, the beauty of this show is that, you know, we are talking about a Marvel Disney Plus series, but there is such a cultural significance and a cultural weight uh, that is weaved really well in this story that helps to define Maya Lopez, as well as just giving more depth to the world within the MCU and, and understanding the Choctaw Nation and, and, and the influences uh, and, and stories. This series is very much a masterclass in, in representation from the Choctaw side, but also from the deaf community as well. Like the, mm -hmm. the attention to detail with the ASL and the fact that the production went to great lengths to translate the scripts for ASL and, and adapting that to weave that into the, obviously the story and, and making the the significance of it um again i just think that you know this is one of the the bright spots in when you do a show like this is is how committed the production kind of becomes to honoring and respecting all sides of of representation and i, I think it, it is you know again to see it in the mcu is is fantastic mm -hmm. and i mean just going back to the choctaw story and how i think it's really cool that we're getting this coming off the heels of that what if episode featuring another devry jacobs marvel character mm -hmm. or kaori and that was one of the standout episodes from the mm -hmm. season and now that we're getting another show that is again steeped in that culture it's a really cool that the, it's really cool that we're getting the opportunity to, to witness these stories in the Marvel universe. And I, I can't wait uh, to see what comes next. Cause again, the way that they, they set up this, the story and weave it into Echo's backstory and all that stuff, it, it's really engaging and you're, you're gripped, you're gripped by it almost immediately. And I want to see how it plays out. And it's a different, it's a different indigenous culture mm -hmm. from that, that we're seeing here, right? It's Mohawk, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken in, in what if, and here we're seeing the Chakta. So the fact that again, giving more plausibility, giving more definition to the world that mirrors our world, the MCU, to a certain degree. I just, I, I love that attention to detail. I love that idea mm -hmm. of bringing those factors in and helping to shape the Marvel Cinematic Universe with those elements. And it and it's so timely too. Uh, you know, congrats to uh, Lily Gladstone for winning the Golden Globe uh, for her portrayal in Killers of a Flower Moon. Uh, and I just think it's, it, it, we're seeing this at the forefront of, Hollywood. And I think it's just, it's, it's more encouragement to just to say like, we need, we need more of these stories uh, out there. Yeah. I, I think we've, we've had a really great, I would say almost maybe two or three years, you know, Prey is, is one that's obviously memorable. Another Disney plus Hulu project, uh, a, a film involving the predator, but then, you know, it, it takes place in during the, I believe Navajo 
uh, if I'm not mistaken. And, mm -hmm. and just, again, the, the sort of cultural importance, the, the way the language was used in that, you know, you have reservation dogs, which, you know, g gives you this sort of dark and funny sides of living res life. And there's just such an honesty, you know, you, you talked about it uh, perfectly with, with uh, our, our interviews uh, who actually have worked on both, uh, you know, mm -hmm. have worked on reservation dogs and are now working on, on echo with um, Sydney Freeland. Yeah. Yeah. With, with Sydney Freeland, who, mm -hmm. who, who actually was one of the directors and has taken part. Debbie Jacobs has written and directed episodes of reservation dogs. So all sides of, of indigenous uh, culture and, uh, and re representation is being seen through the lens. And, and I think you're absolutely right. Like there's just more of that that's happening and that attention to that, that detail and making sure it's accurate. It's right. You know, as Sydney said in our, our interview, it's not something they read out of a textbook or something that was like an archaeological sort of myth. This is, you know, they're going to the people, they're going to learn from the Choctaw people as they did for the series and, you know, tell that story with, with authenticity. Well, you mentioned through through a specific lens, and it kind of brought to mind the the cinematography in this series. Uh, and I wanted to shout that out because I think they 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 do such a phenomenal job where they're able to emphasize certain aspects about different moments in history that you'll get to see throughout the show uh, at the beginning of each episode. Uh, and we get to learn more about Maya's ancestry. Uh, and each each moment so far that we've seen is captured in such different ways that make them really stand out and and make them really memorable. And for me, they're probably some of my favorite moments uh, in the series so far. Um, and I think it's it's cool the way that they were able to to again, I, I love it when you when a, when a, when filmmakers and, and and cinematographers can tell a story just literally through the visuals as well uh, as the characters and the moments that we're seeing on screen. Uh, I think it was really well done. Yeah, the the cinematography in the opening sequences is so drastically different from the present day cinematography, and I love yeah. that idea of framing those openings, those moments where we see a peek behind you know, the history and the culture of the Choctaw people, it, it's, it, it looks different. It feels different. And then when we're brought back to that present day, it's just so noticeably, you know, very grungy and gritty, uh, you know, more of that sort of handheld cinematography that you're used to with a show that like this, like Echo is meant to be sort of like uh, an extension of, you know, the Netflix's Daredevil mm -hmm. or the Punisher. Fits perfectly uh, to, to, with those. And it does. It yeah. absolutely does. And I think that's another great way to kind of talk about the bridge between what was done at Netflix and how that's coming now into fold here at the MCU is the visual cinematography very much captures that in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think that's also why there, you know, there's a, been a lot of uh, promotional material for this where it's you know viewer discretion is advised uh, mm -hmm. this is you know very mature uh you know there's there's that emphasis on it and you can see that they're they're just they're not holding back they're no. not holding back and, and it mm -hmm. goes both ways as we were talking about it's with the representation it's with the cultural influences they're not holding back they're going full throttle with giving you that accuracy and that authenticity and the same from the the sort of grit and grittiness of the real world that Maya Lopez lives in they go hard they don't hold any punches back the you know you'll you'll see it in the in the choreography it's it's spectacular and it's funny you mentioned the Netflix series because like I was reminded of a lot of Daredevil because in that series we got there are several moments where we were our sight was taken away we only heard what was going on and mm. in this series they flip it on the end there and they take away the sound and you get to witness it and the way they 
open up the camera shots when the sound is taken away to almost give you the, the sense that that's what echoes or Maya's going through or she's she sees so much more because she doesn't have the hearing and just the way that they are able to again tell that story through visual cues and just taking away those auditory notes that we're so used to such a refreshing take on this action genre you know superhero thing i loved it yeah. And the way that they take the, like, there's a specific moment that I know that you're bringing up that I just want to mention. There's a needle drop that just kicks ass. Like, it is the most badass moment. Uh, Pretty Waste by Bones UK. Yes, I had to figure out what song it was. <laughs> uh, Comes in and it just rocks you to your core. And it, and it just, it hits in the same, honestly, for me, and listen, this might be a bit of hyperbole or people might think it's recency bias, but that sequence hits for me like the Daredevil hallway scene hit for me the first time that I saw that. Yeah, for sure. But I think what I love about even that sequence is, as you were talking about, Darcy, is the weaving between being deaf and not, mm-hmm. uh, where we where we just dive into Maya's head and experience moments with unaudible sound, you know, uh, more of like thumping basses and, and so on and so forth. Things that might she might be more attuned to. Um, sound you feel rather than hear. Like exactly. Like bass rumbling notes that hit you in the chest. You kind of feel that a bit, but that's all you get. And so there's a, they, they threw this moment in the trailer, but when she cracks that neck of someone in that trailer, Ooh, and, you know, even though you've seen it in the trailer, the buildup to it and the way all the sound just gets sucked out of the scene it, it really does put you in Maya's headspace. And I, I really did appreciate, again, throwing us into that representation, put, making us see th- or, or hear and visibly be put into the place of, of what Maya is in when she's fighting in these sequences. It's, it's spectacular. I think the, the other aspect to it, too, and we're talking about aspects of, you know, Daredevil, um, you know, utilizing moments where uh, he can't see it to an advantage. And I, I love the the choreography, the fight choreography here, uh, how Alakwa worked with Mark Sizik to incorporate the fact that she can do bigger blocks with her prosthetic leg, right? The way that she doesn't feel pain in that prosthetic leg. And she's able to use that in combat in specific ways is it's just so cool. And I think, um, I, I, I don't know, it's it's a really cool mix of, uh, of MMA, martial arts style yes. uh, fighting that is just, it doesn't, like you were saying, Justin, it doesn't hold back. It's quick. It's fast paced. And and it, it hits. And I, it's I think, bloody too, man. It mm-hmm. is bloody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the show is definitely violent. There is definitely some some gunshots that happen for sure. Um, and, and you'll see that uh, in these in these fight sequences. But I think the the interesting thing is, you know, I was um, unfortunately there is a sequence. Don't look it up. It was leaked. Uh, you'll get to see it very soon. Um, and I saw just so, I mean, listen, maybe I just got to stay off of X or whatever, but so many haters in the comments just saying how it didn't look like the fight choreography was connecting. It's not going to look that way off a shaky cam off of somebody who, who leaked it. You know what I mean? Like it's Mm. watch the show. You you add the correct sound, the correct audio. It's going to hit. Uh, and there is a specific, um, moment that is just, it's really exciting as a fan of the MCU that uh, mm-hmm. I think you're going to enjoy. Yeah, it's cool. It was definitely mm-hmm. a very cool moment. Um, I wanted to jump into one more thing, though, just in regards to the the narrative. I think um, before we, we talk about uh, Alakwa and some of the other uh, performances in the show, I did just want to say, I mean, this is Marvel's first spotlight banner. So it's meant to be a standalone project. And I think at least for me, I think for the most part, they did a good enough job 
of uh, recapping. There is a bit of recapping that happens for the moments of Hawkeye. But I, I will say for those who haven't seen Hawkeye, like, go watch it. I really do think it would benefit you coming into this series. Uh, it's got a dog that eats pizza named Pizza Dog, okay? Like, just watch it. Um, you need to watch it. It's such a good show. But I think the fact that this is a spotlight banner that is connected still to Hawkeye is a little bit, for me, I think it's a little bit of a rough go to say this is a pure spotlight banner in the sense that, in the sense that it's, it's I don't think it does a good enough job to give you everything that you need to feel in order to jump into this show. I do think that watching Hawkeye would really benefit you uh, if you're coming into this. I feel like I've, I'm on the other page because I feel like that first episode handles the recapping and retelling of, of Maya's history beautifully because they, they weave new scenes that we haven't seen before into stuff we have already seen in Hawkeye or, or uh other projects basically depending on the story but I, I feel like it handles it really well and i was despite having known knowing the story i was really enjoying the way they were refreshing my memory at least and again for those who've seen it absolutely i mean i feel like there. but even if i even if i hadn't seen it i feel like it does a really good job because it sets up the whole you understand her whole history even more than you do so, than coming from hawkeye I feel mm -hmm. like we got a lot more in that first episode you do. than we would have gotten from Hawkeye. The the only the only thing that kind of throws a wrench in it all is obviously we we do see a brief moment with uh from Hawkeye where um uh Clint is talking to to Maya. Mm -hmm. Um and I think in that moment it could either be one of two things. If you haven't seen Hawkeye, it could be a surprise and delight. And then you go and you check out that show. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I see where you're coming from, Nate, but I think I actually thought it was, it was handled well. It, 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 it did a better job of trying to pull in influences of where we have without necessarily saying, well, you have to go see this show, right? Mm -hmm. You have to go see it. But again, there might be that one moment with, with Clint that could be like, well, why is he here if you haven't seen it? I feel like people have seen it, um, especially on the Disney Plus side. But again, I'm I might just be I might just be one of the people <laughs> that would think that because I watch everything, right? Right from, from them. <laughs> so um yeah, the expanded moments is, is something that I absolutely appreciate in that in that first episode for sure. Um but let's talk about some of the performances. Um I mean we already mentioned uh the fight choreography and I think Alakwa is absolutely killing it she's such a badass and her fighting skills show and shine so much in the show and she you know she she's this character that's that's raised herself through the ranks of kingpin's army to this stage in her life and you, you know she's been training since she was a little girl in new york to be able to go to toe to toe with a character like hawkeye for instance um and so i think in this show she's she's holding her own um and i i also want to just kind of shout out the fact that you know, she she's in terms of her performances, every single moment when you're looking at her face, you can just see that she's, you know, either holding back emotionally or she's trying to get to the next moment. And you can sort of see that in her performance. And it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, the fact that Alakwa Cox it was found for this role, she's she's this is her first role as, as a character, right, was was Hawkeye. Now here she's Maya Lopez has a whole show about her. Um I think that's such a, a testament to her commitment and why she's so great at this at this role, because there's a sense of belief. There's a sense of commitment. Uh, you see it uh, in, in her fight choreography. You see it again, as you pointed out, Nate, in the way she's delivering, you know, her ASL. Like it doesn't limit her. She knows how to use ASL 
and emotions at the same time mm-hmm. to really hit home how she's feeling. And um, shout out to her cousin who plays the younger version of her uh, because she's both adorable uh, and also the fact that like she is a spitting image. It's perfect casting. Like it's mm-hmm. well, it's, it makes sense that you would go to her cousin, right? She's like excellent. someone in her family. So yeah, um, to a T, to a yeah. T. And 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 uh, I I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that they were able to bring her back uh, for some of these moments to help give more depth uh, to her past. Um, but yeah, like again, you you can't go wrong with Alakwa Cox. She's she's killing it. She's she loves this role. And you see it in every in every moment she's on screen. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like Echo was written solely for Alaco Cox. Exactly. There is, so there's like there is so much crossover between the character and the actor that of mm. course we're going to get a stellar performance because like you said it's grounded in that reality she lives with prosthetics so she has to deal with that every day of course it's going to be able to incorporate into her fighting movements and style mm-hmm. flawlessly and the asl everything about it is she lives with it so of course it's going to bring true and have hit home so much harder but yeah it's a great performance mm-hmm. yeah and i mean she she actually um she grew up with a specific uh, sign language uh, called C, and then she uh, she actually adapted and and learned sign language for this series. So the the fact that she was able to kind of take that on, and, and shout out to the entire cast as well um, for also taking that on. And we've heard stories of of them learning uh, signs so that they can effectively communicate with not only Alakwa but a lot of people that were on the set uh, at the time. Um, I also want to bring up, just because he makes me feel the warm and fuzzies every single time I see him, uh, and that's Graham Greene. Uh, well, yeah, Wilson Fisk <laughs> is the opposite of... of <laughs> we'll get to him. We'll get to him. But I, I want to shout out Graham Greene. Um, yeah. I mean, pretty much everything he's in. He's a Canadian icon. He's so warm. He's so kind. He's, he's uh, respected. He's charming. Uh, and, uh, and it just, I love the character that he's playing because, you know, Maya is such a, she's, it, I mean, the series is, is brutal and, and violent and she, Maya is going through some really rough stuff, but really the only scenes that I've seen her smile in, uh, at least as an adult, uh, are with Graham green, uh, and with, uh, with his family. character, uh, with his, yeah, because he's family, but also because he is just, again, he's that charming. And I, I, I really, really, uh, I love seeing him in these, in these shows. Yeah, he's he uh, he's always uh, he's always a delight. He always tends to surprise. Uh, you know, I think he, he can he can he's he's a ball of energy to a certain degree. Yeah, he was in Last of Us, was he not? He was. And, yeah. yeah, he was and, a and great so, moment in Last. Yeah, of Us. And, yeah, and and like honestly, like, and he was in uh, season three of Reservation Dogs. Yep. Plays a very important character. Um, and yeah, like to see him it, through these through these these various shows that have those cultural hints of of indigenous culture and, and obviously he's so predominant in that he is indigenous and he is one of the bigger well-known actors that's doing it you you see him kind of come in and just bring himself yeah. in this show and just be so charming and, and delightful he's kind of like the uh, fun uncle if you will uh, yeah. which i which i really enjoy yeah, I, I just love the fact that he one scene he'll have you laughing at one of the th- random things he says or his impersonation of your, your stereotypical uh, indigenous person type thing, just that. And then goes right around and hits you with that emotion right at the mm-hmm. gate and the family connection. You can understand why Maya feels that connection to him because he is so lighthearted, but also is so deep. And yes, love exactly. Great performance from him yeah. again. He can be goofy, but then really insightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like he can have fun with you and like kind of take jabs at you but then really got drop some like very important introspective stuff that will make <laughs> you think um i, I want to talk about devry jacobs yeah um 
you know, we, as you mentioned, we only have seen three episodes. Um, she hasn't been in all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's obviously an importance to, with her and her and her relationship to Maya that is going to be explored through these five episodes. But when she is on screen um, and in the moments that she does interact with Maya and the way she's using ASL to act again, I just want to point out the fact that both Devery and Chaske Spencer, um, they learned ASL, right? They learned ASL for this roles. And so it becomes a whole new process when you need to act and sign. Mm-hmm. And I think for both, they are doing a great job. Uh, I think there's such an emotional, there's more of a rhythmic beat to the way Chaske delivers his sign. Mm-hmm. And there's and and there's more of a such an emotional tone to the way Devery uh signs her scenes, like yeah. and signs her lines. It's it's done in such an honest way. Like you wouldn't know that they learned it. Right. And I think that that's, that's something that's really, really great about their performances and, and how both of those characters have, have uh, you know, they, they're so influential to Maya um, and to see them kind of how, how influential they are. It's, it's great. It's, it's really great. Mm-hmm. They, I just love the fact that, like you said, they're so good at their, the fact that they learned ASL and then that you could pick up on those differences in the way that they, they talk using ASL. Like yeah. Chaske is much more staccato, very, he uses it and it goes with his emotions, very like punctuating his sentences almost yeah. with the sign language, whereas Devry is very fluid and much more emotional and connected. It's just, it feels so or, like organic and, and like true to form that like you wouldn't have guessed they learned it. It's so, so well done. But if mm-hmm. we're talking about family members of uh, Maya, I got a shout out biscuits cody lightning as biscuits is <laughs> the smile puts a smile on my face every time i see him yeah. so that was and another thing another like and he also learned asl for the role and you can yeah. see it too he comes across as that goofy cousin that you and you get that in his signing as well so again great performance from cody lightning yeah no absolutely yeah he's uh He's 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 very lovable. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I also and he's also got a great radio voice. You'll you'll see what I mean when we get there. But I was like I was like I didn't know what that. Anyway, um, I will say <laughs> uh, for Devery, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, in our interview, uh, she had mentioned how you know uh, Bonnie is is almost a representation of what Maya could. Uh, have been had she had stayed in New York or stayed in uh, in Oklahoma and not gone to New York. And I think uh, I think that it's it's very apt and you can you can absolutely see that. I think my my only uh, you mentioned all the good things. I think my only issue is that I just want more uh, mm-hmm. of of Devry. I, I would yeah, have loved I, I to have gotten the only thing. more of her. I do feel a little bit of crunch so far in these first three episodes where I'm like, I feel like some things were taken out. I feel like we might be missing some sequences that maybe did include Devery. And I, I understand again, no spoilers. I understand narratively why things sort of shake out the way they do with what we've gotten. But I, I just, I think for me, that would be the only thing that is, is missing is just more of, of Devery because again, she is so phenomenal. We love her work on reservation dogs. Um, But yeah, I, I think that's kind of, for me, the the only issue, um, and then I think the other person we need to bring up is uh, is Kingpin is is Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, I think uh, I think that might be the only other thing I will say is I mean we've already given him so much praise throughout uh, Hawkeye, and of course if we've ever brought up Daredevil, he's he is king like he's perfect as Kingpin. Mm-hmm. If if you know the the old adage of like like oh yeah Hugh Hugh Jackman is Wolverine, uh, you know. Vincent D'Onofrio is Wilson Fisk is Kingpin. Uh, and we get we get 
a, a little bit more of him. Um, but I will say I don't I didn't find that we're getting as much of him as the marketing for this series uh, led me to believe. I thought it was going to be a little more prevalent than what we've seen so far. So I'm really hoping that does change uh, for the remainder of the series of the series, um, because he again, he's so excellent. I think between Devery and, and and Vincent, those that would be my only issues. I just wanted more of them. Uh, and I, I maybe expected a little bit more of them as well. Yeah, I think I think it's safe to say that, you know, like you mentioned, there's, you know, we've seen three of the, of, of the five episodes. So as we go into watching the last two episodes, there is a bit of a crunch. Mm-hmm. It does feel like some things need to happen um, or else we're going to be getting a season two, hopefully sooner rather than later, or it's going to be picked okay up somewhere. And that's, that's okay too. That's okay too. Yeah. But like, to your point, you know, I'm okay with actually the amount of how much they've used Wilson Fisk and the Kingpin. I think that that's, um, that's fine. And even with Devery, you know, the way they've held out, the things that they've done to justify why they've held that out, um, and which makes a moment very much more impactful given that, I think that makes sense. But it doesn't it doesn't take away from the fact that when when she's there and she's on screen, she's delivering. Like she's she's great. And I thought Mm -hmm. I love that. But yeah, I think narratively, to your point, I think that's my only real thing is what's going to happen in these next two episodes it's you know really up in the air um but we know that there's there's you know the kingpin is in the shadows if you will yeah there's definitely a pre- like there's a looming presence uh yes. of of kingpin for sure like the characters are aware of of you know what he yeah, who what fisk he was is and who stuff. fisk is yeah. and yeah, yeah so so yeah so i but yeah i want more i want more i'm just uh <laughs> I'm just a greedy Kirby. Justin always sends the Kirby gif whenever I say stuff like that. Um, <laughs> you also you also just send the gift yourself. So that's true. It's, it's that's probably true. I, I acknowledge it wholeheartedly. <laughs> um, so obviously, with only seeing three episodes out of the five, we can't give a rating for this uh, series. Um, so, I mean, I think it's obvious that we will all probably keep watching. Yeah, we're so invested. Yeah. I'd love mm-hmm. to maybe get like, again, your final thoughts um, and maybe if you could give me out of the three episodes, what's one that you're most excited for for everyone to see? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's obvious that I'm going to be coming back to this show. For every aspect of the show is incredibly enjoyable, and I can't wait to see where the story goes. Uh, in terms of what episode I'm excited for people to see, uh, what is the what is the episode that has that needle drop moment that we're talking about? Is that episode the first one. episode? Yeah, that first episode was like what really hooked me. I was I was kind of on the fence about whether I was into the show or looking forward to it or not. After that first episode ended, I was like, okay, I'm on board. Let's go. What What's next type yeah. thing? So yeah, definitely episode one gets that hook in you deep, I, I think. And you're in for the ride as soon as you're done that. So yeah, episode one. Okay. Yeah, no, I... I agree. I think I think uh, episode one is is definitely the hook, especially the hook for you to binge all five episodes, mm-hmm. right? Like for you to just watch them all. Uh, I think I think it does a really great job. I'm very excited for episode three. Um, I think there's a little more character growth there and a little more development. Um, I think you know, again, if you're invested after episode one, I think when you get to episode three, there's some there's some really great stuff. But yeah, I think this this you know echo. It's 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 such a blend of of beauty and brutality 
in the way it sort of can it, it's confronting themes while also pushing boundaries of of you know mature content within the MCU. Um, and and I love the way it's 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 weaving the cultural tapestry. Um, not only to respect the the Choctaw heritage, but also to like shine a spotlight on on the deaf community. I think that this is you know again the the, the cast is coming together to tell this story in a very honest way, learning ASL and and doing this you know wholeheartedly um and i think as as an entry into this whole new marvel spotlight banner it definitely stands to be one of the most honest and, and mature pieces uh you know sort of tackling uh, the complex narrative of maya lopez and adding more depth and authenticity to, to the the mcu in general um so i don't know I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with the next two episodes but i do feel like they've they've built up quite a bit like not that much has really happened mm -hmm. it has stayed very central on maya lopez um so i guess maybe then it's a success in a lot of ways but yeah i'm i'm excited to see uh how the last two episodes shake out well and it's interesting because you you mentioned what you know sort of some of the 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 maturity and groundedness that this is bringing to the MCU. Uh, and I think that was, again, a lot of the ways that we felt when when Daredevil dropped, when Punisher dropped, right? Even uh, Jessica Jones, like there were there were so many moments where we would watch those shows and go, OK, this is, you know, we can have our our uh, really uh, heartfelt and even sometimes dark moments as we get later into the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. But, you know, Guardians one, right? We can have the goofy fun rides but we can also have these like intense and and very honest um, and and beautiful moments of looking at family, but also uh, some of these more brutal and and mature moments that you would you would watch and go, this is this is this is really good uh, TV. And so I think, yeah, I think this is a, a great first go for the Marvel Spotlight banner um, again. The cast is phenomenal. The representation is phenomenal. The needle drops are awesome. Uh, the fight sequences are brutal and intense and great. Uh, and just one of those things that make you just sort of pump your fist in the air and go, whoa, like it's 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 exciting. It's it's a really exciting time uh, for Marvel TV if we can get more of these kind of series uh, out. Uh, and focused on on some of these sort of characters that you just okay. wouldn't expect. Um, and I think the episode that I'm most excited for people to see Honestly, I think episode two has uh, may maybe the like the opening, I would say the, the first part of episode two is one of the coolest things uh, that I've seen in the way it's shot. And again, I mentioned that I brought up that cinematography. This is where I was like, whoa, like they are really going different with it. Uh, and it's it shows and it's really cool. Um, but no, I, I would be in agreement with Darcy. Episode one is the one that I'm going to choose uh, as most excited for fans to see just because there's some jaw dropping uh, moments that occur uh, and jaw jaw kicking moments that occur. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that is it for this spoiler free review for episodes one to three of Marvel Studios Echo. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this series or any of the shows or movies we cover, well, I'm going to let Justin kick you in the face with information so you can learn how you can reach us. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter, or formerly known as Twitter, now known as X, at geekcentricyt, or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Good. That was a much softer kick. That was that was nice of you. Good. Yeah, I have my jaw in place still. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> 
Uh, I also want to invite you to join our Discord using the link in our description so we can talk about this series. We're going to have a, a channel up basically right now, um, so you can jump in and we can talk about it. You can talk about it. Now, it will be a spoiler-filled uh, Discord channel, so make sure you've watched all the episodes of the show that dropped, obviously, um, so that you don't get spoiled for anything. But then jump in uh, and let's have a blast chatting about this series. Uh, keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering some of the best releases of last year. Last year being 2023, uh, like our spoiler-free reviews for Marvel Studios' What If Season 2, Netflix's Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, A24's The Iron Claw, uh, and Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron, uh, which congrats to The Boy and the Heron, also won a Golden Globe. Um, Plus, we also have some great interviews out now, like our most recent interviews, With the cast, as we've been talking about, uh, of this very show, um, I had the lovely opportunity to chat with Alakwa Cox, Maya Lopez, Echo herself, as well as Devery Jacobs, Chaske Spencer, director Sidney Freeland, and executive producer Richie Palmer. Uh, We chat, you know, I I talked to all of them about some different things, but in, in those discussions were conversations about the incredible fight choreography, the authentic representation on the show, uh, as well as who inspires them, uh, and... Um, both Alakwa and uh, Richie Palmer share who they would want to see Echo team up with from the MCU. Some really cool answers uh, that you need to go check out those interviews. So if you want to check out our Alakwa Cox interview, that's exclusively available on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. We'll put that in the link in this in our description as well. So it's easy for you to find uh, as well as other uh, all of our other interviews uh, are available on your podcast service of choice. And again, also on YouTube. Um, and lastly, we've got our spoiler-filled discussion of Marvel's What If Season 2, where Justin and I talk about that final moment. Darcy, have you caught up with What If Season 2 mm-hmm. Yeah, So that you know the mm-hmm. final moment I'm talking about. What could it possibly mean for the MCU? Uh, and lastly, I also want to shout out, in case you missed it, Justin had a great conversation recently with fearless Fred Kennedy, uh, the mind behind Mud 79, which is a fan-made Star Wars story. And when I say fan made, you know, a lot of people and he talks about this in the interview, but, you know, a lot of people kind of get rubbed the wrong way from from hearing fan made. This is a production like no other. I've gotten the chance to listen to some of the episodes and it is it's fantastic. It's top notch. Mm -hmm. He's working with people from around the industry. Uh, Darcy, have you checked out Mud 79? I have. Me and Kevin have started listening to it as we do our, our regular work drives, stuff like that. And I'm the the last thing I listened to in this format was the Long Night Wolverine story, mm-hmm. which is an official production. And yeah. this fan production is, to me, blowing it out of the water with, in terms of how well written it is. It is so grounded in the story of a mud trooper is one of those point of view you never get from a main star Wars story. So it is so good. So Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. And the conversation, Justin, kudos to you is, is absolutely fantastic as well. Uh, And I loved hearing some of the insights, you know, if you go check out mud 79 and then listen to this interview, you get to hear a little bit about, you know, behind the scenes, what were the inspirations for these characters and, and the lengths that Fred went to, to, you know, gather the information that he needed to produce this series is absolutely uh, fantastic. So definitely go check out that conversation. Uh, Justin, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for our uh, first review of 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty dope. <laughs> and as we say, <laughs> love ya. Laters. Peace. <laughs>